Hey, what's up? You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show podcast. Thanks for checking it out, and make sure you subscribed. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it! My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Several shootings, multiple homicides in a matter of hours across Indianapolis over the weekend. I believe these Monday shows that we're having are, uh, there's a theme trending here, Hammer. Four people shot, uh, uh, killed in under five hours across Indy. Two others hurt, including the victim of a pistol whipping. That was at a uh, Plainfield Motel, correct? Or hotel or whatever. So I'm, I'm going to back up just a little bit yeah. here because I don't want to bury the lead here. When you say four people were shot and killed, this isn't just over a one-day period. This wasn't over a 12-hour period. This was in five yeah. hours across Indianapolis, just five hours. And it feels like, you know, going back about a month or so ago, Nige, when the leaders of the city kind of had this big press conference to pat each other on their back that yeah. were not going to have a record year for homicides ever since then the oh, wheels have fallen off they sure are working on it aren't they right. aren't the violent criminals in this city they are working to bust that record that's a that's a big number four killed in five hours and at least 16 people were shot and stabbed throughout the weekend and that's friday through sunday so 16 shot or stabbed four people shot and killed in a five-hour window and again, we say this often, just because the city is not on pace to break a record does not mean things are going well. We could easily get to number two all time in Indianapolis. We're on pace again for over 200 homicides. And a couple of these homicides, again, two were in Plainfield at the uh, at the hotel there. And, and, and so this wasn't Marion County, but you could see that it doesn't matter what side of town or what city you live in. It's... You know the violent crime is is permeating throughout the uh, throughout Central Indy and the Donut counties. And we talk a lot about the Marion County prosecutors race on this show. If you don't live in Marion County, this is why you should be paying attention to what's happening here in Marion County because the crime happens here, and if the prosecutor doesn't do anything about it, some of these dudes get right back out and they'll commit crimes again, and it's coming to your neighborhood. We've talked about crimes in Zionsville. Now we're talking about Plainfield. We've had Fishers and no. Yeah, there was a, a shooting in Fishers on I-69. Had the uh, had that had that road shut down for a while over the weekend. A shooting 79th in Michigan on the north side. Um, so it's not just the the, the bad parts of town. Or I, I don't think 79th in Michigan is exactly stellar. Uh, part of town but i mean plainfield I, uh, the police chief there in plainfield was like yeah we don't see a lot of this kind of thing in plainfield our troops are trained they're ready they're prepared to take care of the situation invest and investigate there wasn't an ongoing threat um they said they have a person of interest but uh, again like you said it's not just certain parts of central marion county east side west side west side that kind of thing Another big story. In Wait a minute. I just I, I wanted to I wanted to get your I, I just wanted to throw this at you here real quick. So, sixteen shot, four killed. Right. Yes. Is that is that right? Over the weekend. What do you think? What, what do you think? I, I'm looking at the Chicago numbers, the weekend numbers. What do you, What do you think? I mean, I mean, how many killed? How many shot? 
shot will probably be over a hundred. No, guess no, it's double. It's 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 thirty. Really, that's good for Chicago. Thirty people shot and six killed. A weekend so we, in Chicago, I would have bet triple digits in the shootings. So, so uh, unfortunately, they have us by uh, by two. Like there is only two more people killed in Chicago than there were in Indianapolis over the weekend. Can you believe that? And there's a pretty big population difference, too. And yeah. one of the big stories locally involving crime is the missing baby, Amaya Robertson. Now, Amaya Robertson was eight months old, yeah. went missing in March of 2019. There is a big search, and there have always been a lot of questions about what's going on, what happened to that little baby. Well, now we're starting to get a little bit more information. A grand jury has indicted the mother Amber Robertson uh, on neglect charges. Robert Lyons, who was Amber Ro Robertson's then boyfriend, also listed as a co-defendant in this case. It turns out that the police department, IMPD, started getting more and more information to the point to where they had enough to go to the grand jury. This is Deputy Chief of Police for IMPD, Kendale Adams. Well, I think based on uh, evidence, based on testimony, uh, we have a timeline. Uh, unfortunately, that hasn't led to the discovery of baby Amaya. Uh, we're hopeful that going forward, uh, we'll continue to get information that will lead us to the discovery of baby Amaya. But I think what we've put together in terms of the physical evidence, in terms of the testimony, and in terms of the forensic evidence gives us a good timeline of what, what occurred. Well, hopefully they could get a murder indictment soon. It doesn't sound like this is what that is, though. It sounds like uh, uh, multiple counts of neglect. Um, which shows, though, that they could still get charges without the uh, body of baby Amaya. Right. Um, so Amber Robertson, the mother, and the then-boyfriend officially charged with multiple counts, including neglect of a dependent resulting in serious bodily injury in potentially the death of baby Amaya Robertson. Mm -hmm. Now, the boyfriend, Robert Lyons, he has not turned himself in yet, once again, here's the Deputy Chief, Kendale Adams. Uh, he currently is still being sought after. Uh, he is in touch with uh, an attorney, and so we're hopeful that uh, he'll get in touch with the Sheriff's Office and, and surrender himself very soon. I would ask him to surrender himself, uh, get a hold of family members, get a hold of faith-based, and surrender himself, because obviously he knows that there, there are criminal charges that are pending against him, and so he needs to be uh, he needs to be brought in and, and processed and... and uh, you know, held accountable for what he's been charged with. So maybe now that the end is pretty much here for these two, charges have been filed, indicted by the grand jury. Maybe, hopefully, we find what happened to the baby now. Well, I mean, you look at the indictment. They said Robertson, quote, cruelly confined Amaya and deprived her of necessary support, necessary food, water, and sanitary facilities. That's awful. If that turns out to be true, I mean, lock him up and throw away the key, if not worse. Both, both of them. Both of them. 100%. Oh, that poor baby. How much of that Colts game did you watch yesterday night? Did you uh, lay down on the couch and oh. crack open a couple cold ones and have some food ready and oh. watch that thing quarter to quarter? I went to um, a Colts party. My friend Brian and Amanda's uh, had a bunch of people over, a bunch of food, a bunch of beer, and uh, a ton of people. And, and yeah, <laughs> we watched, unfortunately, the whole thing through, through the extra, uh, extra minutes and everything. Man, I posted on social media yesterday, the game wasn't even fun. 
The game was not fun no, it was to a, watch. It was a brutal game. It was a bad game. And the Colts looked weak. They looked soft. Uh, they looked confused. And they're still in first place because <laughs> the entire division stinks. Uh, everybody in the division uh, either lost or tied. So keep this in oh, mind. This funny. is how bad the AFC South is. <laughs> Nobody has a win after week one, and two of the teams played each other. So I'll take it. I'll take it. As bad as they played and uh, <laughs> kicker kicking it out of bounds twice in a row. And then shanking the potential yeah. game winner. <laughs> Boy, he went straight Vander Jatt on that one. Oh, man. I can't remember if the Vander Jatt one went left or right. I think it went left. He left, he, and, and this guy went right. Okay. But it wasn't just that. The awful awful decision making inside mm -hmm. the red zone uh you had matt ryan dropping a couple snaps here receivers dropping touchdown balls it was a mess the left tackle got benched halfway through the game the whole game was a mess but if you look at the colt stats like if you had some of these guys in fantasy football all right matt ryan over 360 yards passing Jonathan Taylor had over 160 yards rushing wow. and Pittman had over 120 yards receiving but they only scored 20 points against one of the worst teams in the league. I bet heavily on the Colts, too. A bunch of different crap to happen. But the only <laughs> thing I got right was uh, Jonathan Taylor plus 100 yards. Hey, uh, boy, I bet you Frank Wright wishes he had that fourth and goal back. The Wildcat decision? Yeah, what was that? Come <laughs> yeah. on. Like, and, you know, we'll talk about this Take all throughout the, the afternoon. But all the things that we were concerned about in the offseason – smacked us right in the face as fans yesterday right <laughs> the tackle was not a good position for the colts and receivers not named michael Pittman were dropping the ball and bad frank wright decision making at the goal line it was a mess but like i said if you had some of those guys on your fantasy team maybe you salvaged a win uh now that fantasy football is here hammer and nigel records got a little something for you here uh i was kind of feeling like some bad company when I put oh, this together. Okay. <laughs> it is back. Real fantasy football action underway. Got my receivers. One, two, three. It's a part of my fantasy. <laughs> I've got the running backs. Just got a QB. Another tight end is all that I need. It's a part of my fantasy football team. <laughs> Matchups, injury news, projected usage. It is why all my girlfriends left me. <laughs> How do you draft a great team? The fantasy cheat sheet. So there it is for yeah. all of you. Fantasy football folks that may have had a Colt on your team, that's the only silver lining of whatever that was yesterday. Are you doing fantasy football? I'm not doing it this year. I'm not either. Yeah. I just gamble heavily there on other things. Yeah, you only got time for one. <laughs> right. That's gambling. Can't, can't do gambling and fantasy. Spoken like a true degenerate. Yeah. I don't have time for fantasy because of my gambling. <laughs> you set him up and I'll knock him back, Lloyd. One by one. We are gonna read booze news because it's really fun. Once it hits your lips, it's so good. Now to present booze news, booze news. Yeah. You know, Hammer, we always hear of people doing really dumb stuff, dangerous stuff, while they're boozing, like drinking and driving. But this one, this one's kind of new. I, I've not seen this one before. This happened in Delaware. They got a 911 call. Police got a 911 call 
uh, last week. Uh, witnesses reported seeing a man driving his car into the ocean. Oh, not a retention <laughs> pond, not some sort of nope. you know creek, the ocean. Uh, they they ran into the water and helped him out of his vehicle uh, and back out on the shore. They called the police, and then the driver, who's 48 years old, arrested for DUI, and then, of course, hit with some other traffic violations because, you know, he was driving on the beach. Into the ocean. Wow. <laughs> yeah. How hammered do you have to be? Like, I, I don't know if Delaware, where was this at? Uh, uh, Navy Beach? Um, I, like, I, there's some places you're allowed to drive on the beach, right? Kind Daytona, of? you can drive on the beach. So got to be careful not to get too close to that shoreline, right? Well, yeah. Like, when they have the tide expected to come in, they don't let you park during certain parts of the beach area. Okay. Um, but it's not like you can park your car right up by the water either. You have to kind of keep it in the back so families can camp out and do all that stuff. Well, either way, this guy drove his truck into the ocean. <laughs> You know what? At that point, do you even rescue the guy? Like, <laughs> if you're going to be help. that kind of person and you're going to put the lives of first responders at risk because they got to rescue you because you're a moron, no, no, swim out, get eaten by a shark, do whatever you want, but we're not coming after you. And I hope his vehicle got swallowed by the ocean. Yes. You know? I mean, we see that a couple times a year when there's like major hurricanes coming. Somebody who's parked their car on the beach and leaves. A couple years ago, down in Florida, yeah, uh, there was. You could watch a steady stream. There was a there was a camera fixated on this car that got too close during the hurricane, and we were watching it go further and further. <laughs> but it was taking a long time. I couldn't take my eyes off of it. Right. And eventually, I think the ocean got it. And we found out the guy who had left this vehicle there. Turns out. He had borrowed it from his buddy. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I can't believe you remember that. So, again, oh, the man. buddy feels like he's doing his friend a solid. Sure, you can borrow my car. <laughs> hey, we're hearing about some possible bad weather this weekend. Just, just, just take care of the truck. Don't do anything stupid. <laughs> and he parks it on the beach in the middle of a hurricane. <laughs> Next thing you know, it's out there cruising out toward the Atlantic. <laughs> Uh, is binge watching over? Did you hear about this? Netflix saying they might stop releasing full seasons all at once. That was one of the reasons I liked Netflix because their original right. programming they drop all you know they drop documentary series all at once. You could me and my wife would sit there and binge watch the entire thing, whether it be you know Stranger Things. Now I read this article here, and they're thinking about stopping you know the the release of all the series one at, all at once, right? Just that this heavy drop of. Um, uh, you know, they going back to the classic one episode per week. Now, oh, they're come not, on. They're not doing it with Stranger Things in the fifth season, though. So we're going to start getting Netflix socialism? They're going to start rationing out their episodes? <laughs> now, this is all the episodes of Cobra Kai you're going to get? Well, this is, it's it's because there's so much content and so much competition. They saying, they're saying it's, it's going to keep viewers engaged over longer periods of time. Plus, it'll cut down on spoilers. Listen, I don't want to do that, right? I pay a subscription fee because this is the business model. Drop it all at once, let me binge it, and yeah. leave me alone. I mean, they're saying, like, to, you know, if you, you know, if you want to pick apart the show along the way and predict and theorize and discuss, it just kind of allows word of mouth to grow so the show can gain popularity over time while it's in progress. And you don't necessarily have a lot of that when you just drop a series all at once. 
do the Obamas still have a big role over at Netflix? <laughs> I think so. Because this Netflix socialism just reeks of the Obamas <laughs> right here. This kind of feels like something Michelle would want to do. Thanks, Obama. Thanks. Now I've got to wait next week until Cobra Kai episode whatever. By the way, the new season is out, and I've not yet had a chance to watch it because I've been too busy betting on football games, but I'll get there. I promise you. All right. Don't go anywhere. Monday, gun day. Guy Relford will join us next. This is the Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday, gun day with the gun guy. Watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Guy Relford. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show, 93 WIBC. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Also joining us live in studio, Second Amendment attorney, licensed firearms instructor, and host of the Gun Guy Show, Guy Relford. How are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor, Fort Liberty Firearms in Avon, 8401 East Highway 36. Great place to buy firearms, ammunition, or accessories. And check out their new safe room where they're selling quality American-made safes. That's my buddies at FortLibertyFirearms.com. Where, where'd you just get did you just get back from Arizona? I did, yeah. Saturday, uh, just what? in time to do my show. Man, my flight landed at 3.07. I had to get my, my luggage, including uh, my AR-15, <laughs> off the airplane. So you were doing gun stuff I in Arizona. I was doing gun stuff, yeah. I was at a great training facility called Gunsight. Uh, which is probably the premier firearms training facility in the world. Uh, it's out in Paulden, Arizona, which is two hours north of Phoenix. So, yeah, I was there all week, five days for a, uh, they called it a carbine class, which essentially, you know, a fighting rifle class. And I was there all five days. I was there with some pretty high-speed dudes. Fighting uh, rifle class? Fighting rifle class, yeah. You know, and, and, like where uh, you go through, like, obstacle courses and stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, we, we cleared houses, uh, which was a real eye-opener. I've done some of that before, but this was much more intense, where there's good guys and bad guys, you know, in a relatively small structure, and you got to clear it and uh, and shoot the bad guys and not shoot the good guys and not get shot. Right. And when you're balanced <laughs> on all those things, it gets pretty dicey pretty fast. Because when you're worried about getting shot, the... The, the time you have to make a decision of whether you're going to shoot uh, a particular target, you know, whether it's a good guy or a bad guy. And these are, you know, it, in a millisecond, you know, can you tell whether that guy's holding a cell phone or, or a pistol? You know, it, and, and, and so it, that's the kind of training that takes place at this gun site place. Yeah, exactly. You didn't mean no, literally did shot. Yeah, absolutely. You didn't literally mean get shot. No, like, uh, well, not well, not literally get shot. No, because they, they they simulate the, all this stuff. They okay, didn't, they didn't fire back at you. Well, not that I could tell. But no, no. How no. do you, how the hell do you get no, an AR? No, probably, how, how do you get an AR fifteen on an airplane? Well, there's you know that, that's a great question. In fact, I ended up doing most of my show on Saturday about traveling with firearms since I'd just done it. But there's a way for you to uh, declare an unloaded firearm in your checked baggage, and I have a big. Uh, pelican case designed specifically for my rifle to travel with it and it's actually got a, a cut out in the foam in it uh, to take a pistol as well as my rifle and you walk up to the baggage claim and you say i want to declare an unloaded firearm uh in my checked bag and you have to have it in a locked hard-sided container uh there's an inspection process you go through two tsa you need to give yourself probably an extra you know, 30, 45 minutes to get through the whole baggage check-in process. But I've done it dozens and dozens of times. So after you've done it a few times, it's it's uh, it's not too big a deal, except I always chuckle to myself. There's great entertainment value in the fact that when you say I need to declare an unloaded firearm in my check bag, the, the, at the right there at the baggage counter where everybody's checking in and checking all their stuff yeah. too, they typically in Indy, they have you open 
the case right there. It has to be all locked up, right? I've got four padlocks on my rifle case. So I take my, my, my padlocks off and you open the case and there's an AR-15 and a pistol and, and you've got all these people behind you. Is there you. an audible gasp? And, and you hear him say, you know, I don't want to go on that flight, you know. <laughs> so and there's some entertainment value. I love that, that Nigel goes through and he gets the rubber glove I treatment. Yeah, oh, Guy yeah, Rofer's walking time. through there with an AR-15 <laughs> and he's fine. Well, well, no, you can definitely expect to get some extra love going through security, I'll guarantee you. No, no doubt about it. Are you allowed to have ammunition in there, too? Yeah, you can have a this... limited amount of ammunition. It has to be boxed up. They typically want it oh. in the original factory box, but it can be in that. It can't, the gun can't be loaded, no, but yeah. you can have ammunition in that same hard-sided lock container, according to TSA regs. But typically, I mean, I'm, I was going to a class where we went through, you know, 1,200 rounds in a week. Now, you can't take that on an airplane, so I just bought that when I got okay. there. So this gun site training facility that you went That's to it's cool. out in Arizona – were you the old guy there? Oh, guy God, yes. Like, oh, you have no idea. Yeah. Because, was... like, around here, you're the dude. You're the gun guy. You know, I've passed legislation. Look who my clients are. Yeah. Out there, you're the old guy. Oh, I was definitely the old guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're, we're running around in the desert for five days with an AR-15. You know, it's 100 degrees. And, and it was very physical. I mean, we had to run obstacle courses, or, you know, where there are targets out in the distance, uh, which were awesome. It was fun. But you're engaging targets out to 300 yards. and But you have to find them. And you have to shoot them. And you have to get on down the, the this very rocky trail um uh, down to the, the next potential target and you're you know as you're scanning the whole time it was it was intense and then the, the part for me is was getting down into different shooting positions because like there are times when you got to be running along so you got to jump down into prone because you got to get a long shot the only way to really do that accurately is to be in a prone rifle position Does that mean you're laying on your stomach so you gotta that, yeah jump down yeah. flat on your stomach and then you gotta jump back up well my jumping back up days <laughs> are, are waning rapidly but you hold you. your own though right oh i uh, you know yeah. what i i would tell the instructors you know what i'm gonna do every damn thing i need to do out here it may not be fast may not be pretty but i'm gonna get it done it's the toby keith song i'm not as good as i once was but i'm as good <laughs> once as i ever was <laughs> that's right and you know the whole thing came down to a shoot off uh, the last day, the fifth day, the last two hours or so we were there, and it was a competition. And and it, it was a bunch of moving around and reloading, but you had to shoot standing at a 100-yard target. And then you had to do a speed reload, you know, which is essentially an emergency reload, get more, a different magazine into the gun as quickly as possible, jump down into sitting, squatting, or kneeling as a shooting position. And I got to tell you, Mike, the, the days of me, my knees allowing me to get into a squatting position <laughs> and shoot those days, my, my knees would implode if I tried that. You know, so I jumped down into a shooting uh, position from sitting. And and you get but we, you shot a hundred yard target from standing, a hundred and fifty yard target from sitting. Is the way I did it. Then you jump down into prone, and there's mag changes between all of these, and shoot a two hundred yard target. And you're against one other guy, and the guy who shoots all three targets the fastest wins. And so it's a bunch of movement and you know essentially gymnastics with a rifle, and then accuracy in terms of being able to hit the damn thing. And I got down, I got down to the final four. Um, in my class, and then the guy who won the whole thing eventually beat me. So, how'd you feel yeah. when you woke up the next day, though? <laughs> oh, like, yeah, I, I, you said you had to buy your ammo there. Did you have to buy the Aleve while you were there, too? Oh, yeah. I'm setting world records in uh, Tylenol consumption. I'm telling you right you now. Hammer, you and I should go out there, except for, instead of AR 15s, we should do it with Nerf guns. <laughs> see what that's like. That's it doesn't matter my... what you give me. I ain't getting back up that quick. No, you know, I'm serious, down but... on the ground. I'm going to be there for a while. Uh, well, that was my issue. It's like, I, I'm great getting down because gravity is my 
friend at that point. <laughs> it's getting back up that's the issue. But but uh, there's a great connection, though, because the CEO of Gunsight, which has been around for decades, um, and again, the premier training facility in the world, the CEO is former Boone County Sheriff, Boone County, Indiana, Sheriff uh, Ken Campbell. And so Ken's been a good buddy of mine for a long time. He's been trying to get me out to Gunsight for a long time. And it was great to go out and see him. And he's doing a fabulous job running that place. So there's a great Indiana connection there. Hey, can, can we keep you around for another segment? You I want to make sure Absolutely. and have enough time to ask you about that. I think it's a huge story about how credit card companies have sort of reworked their code to track purchases of, of guns and gun shops. I really wanted to ask you about that. I think it's a huge story. Can you stick around? You betcha. Hey, we'll be right back with uh, Guy Relford, the gun guy, here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. It's very, very noisy. 93 WIPC. It's the natural way radio should be. My name is Nigel. Jason Hammer is here. Guy Relford joining us here live in studio. The uh, headline reads is this, NRA furious over gun shop sales tracking using new credit card codes. So basically Visa and MasterCard and uh, Amex are categorizing gun shop sales now, which some say could lead to like some sort of national registry. Uh, what do you think about this guy? What happened it, here? And it sounds like there's going to be some lawsuits to follow. Yeah, it's really um, kind of disgusting. What it is is there's this international standardization group that um, deals with banking and financial uh, institutions, financial transactions. And and there's been a, a coding process for a long time in terms of if something shows up on, on your credit card statement, it, it can be coded to say, well, this was from a grocery store, you know, that credit card transaction. There's a, a code that gets assigned to grocery stores, or this came from a gas station. They've now assigned... Uh, and this is this is after pressure from gun control groups, including members of Congress, uh, like Elizabeth Warren, who are pushing gun control. The financial institutions now, uh, credit card companies, are going to start um, assigning a code to any purchase from a gun store, so as to record any time you use your credit card in a gun store. And they say they want to do this to track potentially suspicious activity of people using their credit card in gun stores. So says who? Whose definition of suspicious activity? Ex well that's exactly the question, Jason, and that's a, you you're wise to ask that question because it, it, according to the credit card company, uh, and by the way, who are they going to report this to? Are they going to turn around and just turn all that data immediately because it's a private entity, right? So they can do with their data what they choose uh, within some limits, but but they you know they're going to report all credit card transactions at gun stores to what the ATF or the FBI uh, or Homeland Security, and they're saying, well, this is way this way we can we can we can um, potentially head off a mass shooting. Well, why? If if I'm getting ready for my trip, you know, out to Gunside that we just talked about, yeah. and, and so I want to go buy a new rifle and a new handgun because this course took a rifle and a handgun. I just want a new rifle and a handgun, so I go buy two guns for my training trip. Out to Gunsight, is that a, is that suspicious activity because I bought two guns? Does that mean I'm the next mass shooter? Does that mean I'm going to have the FBI following me around because I used my credit card to buy two rifles? Haven't you pistols? had issues with this before where a credit card company oh, was yes. kind of being big brother on your purchases? Oh, absolutely. I've had credit card companies refuse to process transactions wow. even for buying my book, Gun Safety for Dummies. Uh, we, we, won't, we won't handle that purchase because it has to do with guns. I go, whoa, whoa, it's about gun safety. It's about saving lives. It's a uh, gun safety book. Yeah, no, no, we, we won't handle it. Or, or for my classes uh, at tactical firearms training. No, we won't handle that because it has to do with guns. So, yeah, there's two different issues. One is they're discriminating against uh, the gun industry, anything associated with the Second Amendment. And we've had bills that we haven't, get, hadn't, haven't gotten out of committee 
in our Republican-controlled General Assembly here in Indiana to at least limit that or discourage that. And separately now, they're talking about tracking us, tracking any time that you make a purchase in a gun store and then essentially reporting that to some government entity so they can investigate when someone makes a purchase in a gun store. It's, it's outrageous, and the, idea, and, and, and the idea is clearly designed around chilling the exercise of Second Amendment rights in, in, in America, and, that, and that's, that's disconcerting. I think it's, the, the point needs to be made. It's not just Visa, MasterCard, and American Express all just unilaterally you know, decided right. to do this on their own. They're, they're capitulating to um, anti-gun politicians and, and activists. Right? Exactly. I mean, they, they bowed down to the anti-2A people, and now they're doing what they say. They're exactly. doing their bidding. Exactly, and it's a private entity. These are private credit card companies. So the question becomes, what are we going to do with that data? I mean, are we going to see on social media, hey, you need to know that, you know, in, 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 in uh, Zionsville, Indiana, you know, Nigel Laskowski yeah. made the following purchase at a gun store. You people, in, you, so keep, you, you people in Zionsville need to know that Nigel just spent $800 in a gun store. You better be concerned <laughs> about that. I mean, literally, that kind of crap can come out of this. So there's going to be lawsuits on this? I would certainly think so. Uh, I'm looking at it on behalf of the 2A project uh, yeah. here in Indiana um, because uh, it, it clearly um, is, is – is, they haven't been able to get anything done in Congress, right? They can't pass gun control – um, at the at state or local right. or federal level. So what are they trying to do? They're trying to use private financial yep. institutions now to attack the lawful exercise of Second Amendment rights. It's disgusting. It's reprehensible. And yeah, there's going to be a fight over it for sure. Monday, gun day. Guy Relford with us here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Got just a couple of minutes left here. This story kind of makes me smile uh, <laughs> because if you are a left-leaning politician in California, you have to go all in to advance your career. So this mayoral candidate, it's a Democrat from Los Angeles, anti-gun as you could possibly get. Well, his home was burglarized. Guess what was taken, guy? Her, her home. Her yeah. home. Yeah, two guns. Two guns. <laughs> <laughs> but not only that, they didn't take anything else. Right. And, and, the, and they don't, in California, you have to store those things away safe, right? Like, you have to put those things away in a safe. You well, there's them. website. Well, that's what's really interesting. And my BS meter was just pegged on this because she came out, and she's a current congresswoman, California congresswoman, yeah. now running for mayor. And she came out and said, yeah, they broke in. All they took was two guns. And she said, oh, but the guns were, were stored safely and securely in a lockbox. Uh -huh. But the only thing they took were the two guns that were supposedly locked up and left behind, according to her. All right, this isn't me. She said, um, left uh, other valuables, including jewelry, electronics, and cash, cash, and only took mm. the guns that were securely locked away. And if you're BSO meter isn't pegged on this one going, <laughs> hold on. They left behind cash and they only took your guns? Right. And they were locked up? How exactly does that work? But but let me ask you this rhetorical question. In my experience, and I've dealt with this in, in several different cases, when does someone report guns stolen that just perhaps, and I'm not accusing anyone, I have no idea, 
weren't really stolen. What motivation do you have to report guns stolen? I'll just throw that out there because there are several hypothetical answers to that. Again, I'm not kind of like anyone of anything. Question: Do you report if a hooker robs you? Yeah, right. Because you know, on one hand, you bought a hooker. On the other hand, yeah, she took your money. Right. It's kind of the same thing exactly. here. Exactly. It's how your car gets stolen out of a strip joint parking lot. I mean, you know how motive how made it, motivated are you to report that? No, exactly right. Where can I, people uh, get a hold of you at, man? Where uh, where can people get a hold of you? And do you have a show this weekend? Relfordlaw.com is the best place to get a hold of me. And yeah, absolutely, we got a show this this week. Uh, you know, now it gets a little dicey Saturday to Saturday because uh, of you. IU football. Yeah. But yeah, as far as I know, we have a show this weekend, and we'll be rocking it. Guy Relford, thank you. Thank you, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? On 93 WIBC. So let's rock it. Saw some uh, beautiful memorials and tributes yesterday for the 21st anniversary of 9-11, Hammer, including, and we'll get to it here in just a second, uh, what happened at the Jets-Ravens game. That was amazing, but... Before we get to the uh, beautiful part, we have to uh, wade through the ugliness of yesterday. Of course, Democrats trying to uh, use politics, politicize 9-11. So a day that used to be about how this country came together and we remember those who lost their life. Uh, We remember the first responders that ran into danger. Some went home that night, some did not. That used to be what 9-11 was about in this country. But now it's become the radical side of the Democrats comparing what happened on September 11th, 2001 to January 6th, comparing the radical people who wanted to kill and murder as many Americans as possible to the MAGA Republicans. So here's Hillary Clinton. I want to play you some audio here. Listen as she kind of tongue-in-cheek dances around comparing what happened on 9-11 to what's happening right now. And we have also, I think, um, been reminded um, about how important it is uh, to try to deal with extremism of any kind, Mm. uh, especially when it uses violence to try to achieve political and ideological uh, goals. So, I'm one who thinks that uh, there are lessons still to be learned from what Mm -hmm. happened to us on 9-11 that we should be very aware of uh, during this time in our country and the world's history. So what you're going to find here is that most of these people we're about to talk about are trying to uh, tie January 6th to 9-11. These lunatics feel like they're the same, that they're the absolute same. January 6th and September 11th, it's even compared to these lunatics. It's unbelievable. Uh, this is the Democratic representative, Pramia Jayapal. She put out oh, a tweet, yeah. quote, Today, we remember the 2,996 people who were killed on 9-11 and all of those who lost their lives while serving mm. our country in the forever wars that followed. Now, the number Sorry. is interesting. Two, what was it, 2,996? That's what she went with on this tweet. Now, most people will say that 2,977 people were killed on September 11th. Those were the innocent civilians, Nige. Where'd she get the other, what, uh, 19? She counted the terrorists. Oh, yes, we have to remember them, too. Now, Don't forget about them. The thing is, 
let's just for argument's sake say that, well, she probably saw a wrong number and she made a mistake. This is the second year in a row she's put this number out there. She has since deleted the tweet and deleted the Instagram post, but this is the second damn year she's used that number. That's not an accident because she caught hell for it a year ago. The number is not 2,996. It's 2,977. That's how many innocent people lost their lives. So I'll raise you Representative Jayapal, and I'll bring you Senator Mark Warner comparing Republican protesters from January 6th to the al-Qaeda terrorists who attacked this country on 9-11. The stunning thing to me is here we are 20 years later, and the attack on the symbol of our democracy was not coming from terrorists, but it came from literally insurgents attacking the Capitol on January 6th. So I believe we are stronger. I believe our intelligence community has performed remarkably. I think the threat of terror has diminished. I think we still have new challenges in terms of nation state challenges, Russia and longer term, a technology competition with China. But I do worry about the activity in this country where the election deniers, the insurgency that took place on January 6th. That is something I hope we could see that same kind of unity of spirit. The election deniers, <laughs> Nige. Yeah, look, anybody trying to tie 9-11 to January 6th or make any some sort of comparison um, is, it's ridiculous. Thousands of people died horrifically on 9-11. And the only person that died on January 6th was an unarmed Trump supporter at close range. Right. There were some other deaths of people who had health conditions. There certainly weren't murders. And to compare the two is absolutely disgusting. And it's gross and it's insulting. This is a tweet from Tristan Snell. He's an MSNBC contributor. He's a lawyer. He has 280,000 people that follow him on Twitter. Quote, September 11th was a terrorist attack. January 6th was a terrorist attack. I don't know why this this just popped up into my head. It just kind of reminds me of, like, you know, remember when Donald Trump called MS-13 a bunch of animals? And then Pelosi turned around and said, we shouldn't call them animals. <laughs> They're undocumented immigrants, uh, and we're all God's children, a spark of divinity in every person on earth that that's I, for some reason that just popped up into my head because especially when representative Jayapal uh included the hijackers in the people that quote unquote died and lost their lives in 9-11 that's the equivalent there's an equivalent right there so the msnbc contributor just lays it out there on twitter but the cnn contributor says hold my beer dean obadala Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This dude is an absolute lunatic. He went on a tweet storm. Now, I'm not going to read all of these because that's kind of what he wants. But listen to some of these here. Again, this is from a CNN contributor. MAGA and Al-Qaeda both waged deadly attacks against our nation to end our democracy. Wow. The difference is the leader of Al-Qaeda has been brought to justice while the leader of MAGA, Donald Trump, still travels all our nation, radicalizing people for his next terrorist attack. Yeah, it's despicable. I mean, 9-11 is a day of remembrance. You know, you memorialize. It's it's sacred. And they're 
they're just standing on the victims trying to make political points it's it's gross i'm gonna read one more for you uh, one more you have to it floors me that there are people that believe this they think the Capitol riot where a guy in a chewbacca suit and a guy that looks like he went skiing taking out a podium are the exact same thing as planes flying into buildings here quote there's no comparison between 9-11 and January 6th in terms of loss of life, but January 6th was far more dangerous to our nation in that it was Americans wow. who waged the attack after being radicalized by Donald Trump. So the there guy, you the go. Guy in the, the, the Chewbacca guy with the furry chaps and the Viking helmet? Yes. That was the threat to, to our democracy? Ski bro. Does, does anybody believe those, those guys were honestly trying to overthrow our government? <laughs> they were being let in the Capitol in some cases. Hey, I'm not saying those guys didn't deserve to go to jail. Everybody that broke in and rioted right, 100%. absolutely should have been thrown in jail. But but no way. Not a chance. January 6th was far more dangerous to our nation. <laughs> Unbelievable. And that's so insulting to anybody that lost a loved one yeah, on 9-11. You better, uh, if you're going to include January 6th, you might want to include the summer of love as well. Um, so that's the disgusting part of what we saw yesterday. But as Nige mentioned, there were some really strong, poignant moments. Of course, when they do the ringing of the bells in New York, the reading of the names. And the New York Jets had a home football game against the Baltimore Ravens yesterday. And at one point, and I don't know if this was planned or not, the woman singing the national anthem, her microphone went out. Did it go out or did she just let the crowd sing? I I'm not real sure, but the crowd just took over the national anthem, and it was incredibly poignant. It'll give you chills. Take a listen. Listen to that crowd, man. Listen to that. And I listen to that. I hear, I think, I instantly think, well, maybe our country is more united than people think or that the Democrats want us to think. Very well could be the case, man. And I know people are going to go on Twitter, oh, we're still divided. I know that. But maybe it's not as bad as people think, man, because that was a home game. For the New York Jets against the Baltimore Ravens, and the whole crowd seemed to be into it. Emma and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Is this anything? Oh, yeah, Hammer. How do we play? Is this anything? I will run some stories by you. You break down all the information, and you tell us if the story in question is anything or not. Let's do it. Is this anything? A Utah bus driver has been placed on administrative leave 
when she told the kids that she was going to shoot them for asking where they were going. Here's the moment the driver got on the uh, loudspeaker to scold the children. Okay, now listen. I Whoa. missed the stop. I'm trying to turn around. Do you understand? <laughs> Is that anything? I think it's something. I don't think you can go there even although, obviously, the bus driver had no intention of actually doing something like that. You can't say that, especially to a bunch of kids in this day and age where we have, we do, there's, the, the reality is that there have been school shootings in this country. It's probably something you can't get away with, although I, w- I do understand her frustration. I shared a, a, a bus ride to and from Camp Tecumseh oh. uh, Thursday and Friday with a bunch of fourth graders. How'd for that the, go? For the most, I mean, they behave themselves. There was a bunch of teachers on the bus. Like my son's fourth grade class had an overnight trip. That was their field trip. They they stayed overnight at Camp Tecumseh. It was you know I was got chosen to be a chaperone. I was very lucky because not all the dads got to go, not all the moms got to go. You get it's like a lottery system, right? And so we rode up there on the bus, and uh, it was it, it was actually fine. It's just you know fourth graders are just so bundled up with energy. They're just. <laughs> Just going crazy, like just they're all over each other, just constantly wrestling and playing grab ass and just pushing each other around. And and our bus driver, I, I, I man, I gotta be careful here. I just wanna I wanna be clear. Our bus driver, bus bus eighty nine. She didn't look like a bus driver. She she was she was very well put together. I'll just say that. Okay, I hot not, bus driver. I did not. I did, I'm not. I'm trying to be good here. But uh, um, it did not look like what you think. Like, my bus driver when I was a kid was Mr. Uh, Rothlesberger. Ro- Rothenberger, not Rothlesberger. Mr. So it was Big Ben? It was Rothen- Mr. Ro- Wayne Rothenberger. And he was the main grizzly. Just, I don't know, he just got off work and takes his second job as a bus driver. <laughs> he carried a wooden paddle with him. And he'd slam it up against the tin, you know, the tin roof up above the driver's side window every time we'd get loud. Hey! <laughs> just a monster. He was, I loved him. I, I thought it was great, but uh, yeah, that's that's how I picture a bus driver. So I, I I get where these where the kids could probably be driving you a real, little nuts, and it certainly happened on this trip that I was on because I was a chaperone, and I was there were times I was like, hey, hey, come on, Cat, like it was like herding cattle, almost. like you were trying to shoo away a bear, like like you know, fourth. <laughs> it was it was so much fun. The kids had fun, but uh, so what was the name I, of your I, old bus driver again? Rothenberger. Rothenberger. Yes. This is going to surprise you, but I went into the archives and I found some audio of Mr. Rothenberger driving you around. Oh. Hey! <laughs> you threw that. <laughs> I'll turn this damn bus around. <laughs> That'll end your precious little field trip pretty damn quick, huh? <laughs> we were all scared of that guy. He pulled over and paddled some kid. Good. Uh, one time. Rotten little yeah. SOB probably deserved now, it. Again, that was when I was in elementary school in sixth grade. Like, you could know, the other kids the all day. see it, too? Could oh, look yeah. Up, tell your friends what you saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Remind them this is what happens. Right. Oh wow. yeah, but again, that was in the the you know the mid uh, that was in the late '80s where you were allowed to probably be a little more hands on, if you will. Dude, I love all these stories about bus drivers yeah. that you bring to the table. You got a hot chick, yeah. you got a rowdy dude paddling kids oh, yeah. in front of other kids. <laughs> bus talk with Big Nige. <laughs> Is this anything? A nurse is getting praised after saving the life of a small baby oh. on an Orlando-bound flight a few days ago. 
During this flight, the baby stopped breathing, and this nurse jumped into action, gave the baby CPR, saved its life. Here she is breaking it all down. You know, your heart falls and you spring into action. And we started massaging the baby's chest more aggressively, trying to get it to breathe, massaging its legs. I was really hoping someone else was going to be a doctor. (sighs) But when you have to step forward and do what's right, you do. And it was just a happy story. It made me feel really good. Is there any emergency medical staff on this plane and she's just kind of looking around hoping somebody else raises their hand is that what i understood and then finally when nobody else raised their hand yeah i'm a nurse all right give me the baby come on (laughs) bring bring the baby over here mouth to mouth all right come on (laughs) yeah that's something thank god she's on the flight she's a hero save the baby's life man it's the hammer and nigel show the hammer and nigel show all right boys let's go do this loud and proud 93 the um, Indianapolis Colts hammer are uh, number one in the division. All right. <laughs> Woo! They, uh, they ended the game yesterday against uh, the Houston Texans in a tie 2020. <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure I can remember the last time the Colts ended in a tie, if ever. Can you? I don't know. No, it's I, been a long time. And that tells you how bad this division is. <laughs> Nobody has a win, and two of the teams played each other, for God's sake. <laughs> Let's go to the drivecubeboard.com hotline and bring on Charlie Clifford Charlie. from Wish TV 8 Sports. Charlie, you were there yesterday. You watched it just like we did. What were your thoughts on that? I don't even know what it was yesterday. I, I it was didn't a have bad a, game. That's what it was. I didn't enjoy watching any of it, Charlie. Maybe you have a different opinion. Uh, well, I'm not paid to enjoy watching the game either way, but I get it. Okay, and wasn't that? Totally- oh, let me interrupt you though. But I, th- I was exciting at the end, Hammer. You weren't kind of excited. I mean, it's an exciting game towards Come the on, end. No, on, you don't think you know you weren't on the edge of your seat. Did you that? get the text message that I sent right after they <laughs> scored? Does anybody have faith in the defense right, right now? All right, right, right. Okay, true, true, true. So it was as bizarre as you could have scripted Matt Ryan's debut. I mean, he throws for what 360. Meanwhile, cracking also become the second fastest quarterback to 60,000 passing yards, only behind Drew Brees. I mean, that's how good this guy's been for 15 years. It's weird, you know. He, he's not included in those conversations. Even really the ones I thought Rivers was kind of looped into when he was here, you'd look at the list and be like, oh, yeah. Like, I feel like Rivers gets a little bit of that pub being on the – I feel like Ryan's even a little further removed from that. And I don't know if it's because he plays in the NFC and we're just so AFC-focused over here. It's kind of weird. And, Charlie, the reason I said I did not enjoy watching the game yeah. was because as a fan, all of the issues that we had talked about in the offseason came back to smack us in the face <laughs> in game number one. As a fan, we had questions about the left tackle position. Well, they had to bench a guy halfway through the game. We had questions about whether Rodrigo was the guy. Kicked two out of bounds, shanked the game winner. Uh, the receiving core, anybody not named Michael Pittman, left a lot to be desired. That's why for me, and not even to mention the bizarre play calling inside the five at times, that's why for me, Charlie, it was a tough watch yesterday, and I don't think I'm the only one that feels this way. No, all of Colts Nation feels that way. So you're not out of bounds. Totally fair on the wide receiver assessment. That's still 
the major unanswered question from a playmaking standpoint. You know inside the AFC, at some point you're going to need to score a ton of points. And it, that is a major question because the inexperienced wide receivers, with the exception of Mike Strawn, did not look good yesterday. Uh, the, the call at the two-yard line on fourth and goal, everyone agrees with that. I, you know, I, I just don't see philosophically how that makes any sense. Now, left tackle, let's clear that up. Matt Pryor was never really benched. They rotated Reinman in on a few situational things, but Pryor finished the game. He played the vast majority of the snaps out there, so I don't want to give the impression that, oh, gosh, they're already making a, a knee-jerk reaction a left tackle. I actually thought he held up okay. Um and then the last note, which is the biggest note today, Frank Reich just spoke and said really what he didn't say was just as big as what he did say, that you know there was no outward vote of confidence on Blankenship. He basically said there's a meeting tonight with Chris Ballard, and that's going to be discussed. At a minimum, they'll be working out kickers this week. You just need to have a plan in case this goes sideways again in Jacksonville because then it will be an easy decision. Now, that's interesting, Charlie, because normally Frank Reich is this big bucket of positivity. And for him to not go out of his way to say, hey, Rodrigo's our guy or something like that, that kind of speaks some volumes. Now, look, it's still, and I agree with that, but it's still Monday afternoon. You're 24 hours removed from the game. You know, you don't want to make any decisions based off emotion. Let's face it, everyone on that team playing, flying over there, was expecting to win that game and probably do it with some style points. And that didn't happen. So are you going to really, you know, level the blow on the kicker who you mentioned, you know, maybe there are some concerns. I think realistically on the list of concern, you know, top 10, I don't know if Blankenship was in there. If you would have asked the majority of Colts fans a weekend ago, I mean, this kicker competition this summer it really wasn't sexy at all. Blankenship did fine. There was never any, oh, gosh, he's getting pushed for this job. I mean, it was a fairly clean preseason on his end, and it was a clean first half. He was making field goals down the middle, making extra points down the middle, kicking kickoffs you know, into the end zone for touchbacks. And then it was like, oh, shanked one, shanked another, pushed one. Yep. You know, It felt like you know we've all – teed it up on the golf course before it feels great and then when you hit one bad it's like oh gosh i can't even can't even be on the property it felt like that sort of a situation at the worst possible time well take, take me through the special team situation right now says rigo sanchez injured he's injured he's he's out he was the punter right yes and yes. so the punting duties along with the place kicking duties both placed on uh rodrigo blankenship correct he is doing the place kicking for, from a kickoff standpoint. They obviously, you know, brought in a new punter. Uh, brought in a new punter. Okay. Right, right. Who had, you know, we were all joking midway through the third quarter when things looked the That's most right. bleak yesterday. He booms one seventy yards down to the one yard. That was awesome. That guy gets that guy gets the game ball. I guess my point is: is there too was there too much on Rodrigo's plate? Like well, that's a fair that's a fair question because. You know, he's a very analytical thinker. He's very regimented. Uh, he's not one of these guys who just walks out there 
you know, kind of like John Daly in that first pitch last week, right? You saw that viral video. He just <laughs> stepped on the mound, worked at home, and threw it. He's the opposite of that. Everything is very measured, and this is a break in the routine. And it came, yes. you know, late in camp. It's not like he did this all summer. But at the end of the day, you're a specialist. He set national records in high school as a kicker. I mean, if you go to his Georgia bio, there is like, <laughs> there is a, a declaration of Rodrigo Blankenship's achievements just as a youth. I mean, this guy was a national prodigy almost. This has been, you know, his baby forever. He's been able to kick the ball straight and far for, you know, his entire life. And I think, you know, with most things, when you get to this level, with this talent, it's mental. Right, and, and, uh, and I get that. And you know what? Ryan Leaf has a great backstory, too. But when you get into the league, this is your job. This is what you're getting a paycheck for. And I don't want to hear that, oh, he's got yeah. a lot on his plate. What, is he playing Legos all day? You're the kicker. Your job is to go in there. You don't even practice like a real football player. Your job at practice is to kick. My point, my point, Hammer, is like, I okay, for perfect example, I always thought it was so ridiculous that when Tony Roma played for the Cowboys, he also came out with the field goal unit. And held the ball. The quarterback, yeah. I always thought that was ridiculous. <laughs> and then there was the famous fumble against, I, I believe it was Seattle, yeah, I think. Yeah. Right? Uh, and yeah. I just thought, you can't have somebody else go out there and do that? So that was my only my only question was, and I well, get my, ha- I totally get hammered, you know. My, go ahead. My thought here is we're, 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 we're talking, it's recency bias, right? We all remember what happens at the end of the game. There were lapses from all units for the first three quarters. They left so many points on the field. They should have never came down to that. It did, and that's what we're going to have to live through for this week for Rodrigo Blankenship. But, um, you know, this is (laughs) – he is not the reason they tied the game. I know it ultimately goes down. He's not the reason they they won it either, though. (laughs) I can promise you that. You're right. And it is, it's going to be a story, and it's going to be a decision. Um, but, you know, it, again, it is just sleepwalking through the first half after how last season ended with all the additions. You know, the Texans were the aggressors, and that was that was a surprise, at least from a defensive standpoint in the first half. I mean, you know, Shaq Leonard, as great as he is, his best attribute, I think, is giving everyone on that unit confidence that, hey, he's out here, we can ball when Shaq's out here. We're all going to fly around and make plays. I didn't see a lot of that attitude or intensity, you know, until the backs were against the wall. And, and you know, they credit everybody at that point. They, they played perfect football the last 11 minutes, but everybody's getting paid here. And usually that's not enough time to come back and win a game, and it wasn't yesterday. Charlie Clifford, Wish TV, 8 Sports. Charlie, last thing before we let you go. Uh, That game, it's now over. It's full speed ahead. Colts at Jacksonville. Another divisional road game back-to-back with what looks to be a much-improved Trevor Lawrence. I'm with you. I mean, I kind of have them as my sleeper, not to the extent of what the Bengals did last year because I think that was a bit of an anomaly going for as bad they were to a Super Bowl. But I thought, hey, if one team's going to steal a bunch of games, in a, let's face it, in a bad division, I like year two of Trevor Lawrence with 
head coach who knows what he's doing at the NFL level. And, you know, they've continued another number one pick. I mean, they've stacked so many top ten picks. At some point, you're going to run into talent. This is going to be a backyard brawl. I mean, this means everything in terms of what you talked about, what everyone talked about all summer. You know, getting out to a good start, a 1-0-1 start is not the end of the world. But 0-2 with Pat Mahomes coming here for a home opener? I don't know, guys. I mean, that. <laughs> how many times can you pull one and four, one and five out of your hat? Um, you know, this is this is a mega game. I mean, this is a mega game Sunday. Charlie Clifford, Wish TV eight. Charlie, great job down in Houston. I was watching the coverage. You had a cut in in our program. All Indiana bets on Sunday. Awesome job, my friend. Thank you. Hey, always a pleasure coming on, guys. Have a great year and hope to talk again soon. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The Hammer and Nigel Show. You were right, man. We should do this thing. On 93 WIBC. Went a little long talking to Charlie Clifford there, so uh, I wanted to get to this real quick uh, before we have to hit another break. The uh, tabloids love to speculate about how Britney Spears feels about her dad. Sure. Right? I mean, her and her dad, like he's the whole thing with the conservatorship and he's been keeping her down all these years. Um, she went to Instagram herself to let us all know how she feels about her dad. Listen to this. One of the weirdest things I've ever encountered. I had three MRIs. I wasn't complaining about anything. I was just told I had to go. It was my dad and I had no rights at the time, so I basically had to. During the conservatorship, I did it three times, and I stayed in there for an hour each time. And so the whole thing didn't make sense. I'm fine. I'm alive. The conclusion, the hardest thing is to just know that they were just being mean, and I really felt like my dad was trying to kill me, and I hope he burns in hell. Jeez. She hopes so dad burns in hell. The holidays may be interesting. <laughs> Could be a little interesting in the Spears house. That's awful. She posted a photo yesterday where she was basically nude and she spread out on a bed, but she photoshopped in a little heart just so you couldn't see her butthole. (laughs) Well, otherwise, then it's considered porn, right? Right. Okay. Right. So, uh, Brittany's interesting. I think she's. I I still think she's kind of a little unhinged, possibly. And, and I would still absolutely, oh, oh yeah, you know, yeah. But would she <laughs> look at some of the dudes she's hooked <laughs> up with? I really think I got a shot here. I may be out of contention because I have a job. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos on ninety-three WIBC. Hammer, you're a gambling man. What are the odds? What are the percentages you think that Donald Trump gets indicted? Over this, you know, there's an ongoing probe of his handling of official government records and the Capitol breach and obstruction of that investigation. I think it's better than 70%. I think I'm with I, you. I, 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 and I'll double down, and I'm going to say that it'll happen in October, the October surprise, surprise right surprise, before the midterms. So speculation is that uh, another... Trump guy, Stephen Miller, his right-hand man. He's that bald uh, guy. Yeah, he's a skinny bald dude. You see him on Fox News all the time. Uh, the DOJ is looking into him for uh, a variety of felonies, including, I'm reading words like, seditious conspiracy. We know that Bannon 
uh, is he just pled not guilty to state charges in New York for laundering money and conspiracy, and he's actually going to get sentenced next month for contempt because he didn't comply with that House committee subpoena. So he might he's looking at a possibility of of going behind bars now. Bannon, I you know this was breaking news last week. I don't. He said that. The FBI, quote, rolled in on 35 senior members of MAGA Republican supporters of Donald Trump over the past few weeks. Or it may have been all at once, if I'm reading this correctly. So they are coming for him, and they are coming for anybody that's associated with him. And you're exactly right. Here just a couple of months before midterms. They really don't want Trump on that ballot in 2024. So we're hearing that, and again, I can't verify this, but up to 30 Donald Trump associates had something rated by the feds, and now they're going after Stephen Miller. They've already went after Bannon and some other folks. Can a brother get a little bit on Epstein and the pedophile island? No kidding. Can we take just a fraction, not even a lot, just a fraction of this energy of going after Donald Trump's cronies and try to find people, and I can't stress this enough, who may be having sex with children. Because I don't know about you, but if you're looking at what's more important here, high-profile people flying to an island having sex with children or scumbags doing political things, which one moves the needle more for most people? I kind of feel like it's Epstein Island. Trump and how he secured official government documents or, I don't know, Hunter's laptop. And let's not forget the biggest mass shooting that happened in our nation's history, Las Vegas, where there's a lunatic hanging out of the Mandalay Bay, firing shots down on the most famous stretch of road, arguably, this country has, Las Vegas Boulevard, the Strip, and we've got nothing. We've got no motive. We don't know where Mary Lou Danley went, his lunatic cartoon character brother. All of those people have just disappeared. But hot damn, Stephen Miller's going to have a bunch of people running through his underwear drawer at all hours of the night. Come on, really? Yeah, they haven't raided Hunter yet, but Baron Trump, uh, his room got raided by the FBI. It's, it's a little, it's, it's, it seems very strange, especially considering that Hunter laptop story was true the entire time. And big tech tried to squash it before the 2020 election just to make Joe Biden look better when there was obviously details and emails on there that connected Joe Biden when he was vice president to his son's business dealings. The big guy. The big guy. There it is. So Donald Trump was speaking at an event this past Saturday. And again, without saying he's going to run, he's kind of laying all the groundwork. A very, very important year. It's called 2024. We have to take back the White House. We have to... I don't know if that's an optimistic or a pessimistic speech, but it's a truthful speech. This was some fancy dinner party he's on getting, Saturday he's night. He's getting an award. Um, and... Did he mean... Yeah, so did he mean the royal we? Like the Republican Party needs to take back the White House? Or we is in me? Right? Right. I'd like, just announce you're running already. Yeah, but this is what all this all this stuff we opened the segment with is is they're doing their damnedest not to get him to run. They don't want him on that ballot. So you heard from a former president. 
Now let's hear from the current president. Let's hear from wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Come on, man. You ain't black. So they got old Grandpa Joe out there on the trail. And this is from a speech earlier today where he's basically doing a victory lap on the economy. Building an economy that finally works for working families. We started with the American Rescue Plan. That's taken us from economic crisis to economic resurgence. I thought it was to say economic intercourse. <laughs> economic <laughs> crisis to economic resurgence. Uh, no. Prices seem pretty bad to me. I'm going to raise my hand here. Aren't we in a recession? Well, depending on who you talk to, <laughs> yes, maybe. Okay. I, I don't think we're quite there yet, but prices are through the roof. roof. Gas prices have come down a little bit, but they're still more than what they were uh, a year ago. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. You know, I think we are officially there two straight quarters in a row oh, of negative yeah. growth. Well, they ch- they changed the definition of that. Oh, okay. The Democrats okay. did. Okay. Even Wikipedia, I believe, uh change the definition of what considered what's to be considered when in, when you're talking about uh, a recession and it wouldn't be a biden speech if you didn't get some good old-fashioned gibberish here he is talking about the united states germer for god's sake this is the united states Gamera for god's sake <laughs> say play it again this is the united states Gamera for god's sake get ready pal you're going for a problem the united states Gamera for god's sake <laughs> Uh, over the weekend, NBC's uh-huh. Chuck Todd, guy's name Todd, Todd, was pressing Kamala Harris on the border, doing a rare bit of journalism is Chuck Todd here, kind of putting Kamala Harris's uh, feet to the fire about what's happening at the border. Would you call the border secure? I think that there is no question that we have to do what the president and I asked Congress to do is the first request we make. Pass what? a bill huh? to create a pathway to citizenship. The border is secure, but we also have a broken immigration system, in particular over the last four years before we came in, and it needs to be fixed. We're going to have two million people cross this border for the first time ever. You're confident <laughs> this border is secure? We have <laughs> a secure border in that that is a priority for any nation, including ours and our administration. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess you credit Chuck Todd for the follow-up, but after that, how do you, I mean, he just let her off the hook after that. Yeah, yeah, two million people record crossing the border. Uh, well, uh, our borders, she, she was stumbling around for her Democrat talking points on the border. Right. Some trying to you know, grab at some platitude out of the air, grasping for straws there. Uh, but Chuck Todd is a shill for the Democrats. I mean, his wife is a Democrat consultant. And uh, wasn't he renting out a room to Klobuchar in D.C.? <laughs> Didn't he own some property? And he's, uh, this guy's a freaking moderator for the debates? Give but- me a break. I expect that from Chuck Todd, though. Like, I got to be honest, I was surprised he even asked her about it. Normally, the type of questions Chuck Todd asked to Kamala Harris are, why are you so awesome? <laughs> Those he, are the types of questions you normally get from Chuck. And, uh, and the two million, uh, you know, two million illegal immigrants that follow up, okay, good, but then don't let her off the hook. Say, 
no, the border's not secure. The free flow of fentanyl, the the murders, the crime from uh, illegal immigrants passing through the border, the um, just the, the number two million alone. Okay, I'm pretty sure the border's not secure. Well, we're gonna pass a, you know, and, and her response is the border secure? Uh, there's two million people that crossed over. Uh, we're working on a pathway to citizenship for all of them. Could like, you? Believe, I mean, that was her response. The hamster in the wheel, in her mind, was oh, probably yeah. just running as fast as it could, thinking, how can I make this about abortion? How can I make this about abortion? <laughs> um, one more clip here. This is uh, yep. Chuck Todd asking Kamala Harris, just what in the hell is a semi-fascist? What is a semi-fascist? Listen, I think that um, when we... Let's not get caught up in in, in, <laughs> in politicizing the fact that most people in America know that it is not helpful to our country when we have people who are denying elections or trying to obstruct the outcome of an election where the largest number of people in our country voted for the president of the United States. And um, when we look at where we are, I think that we have to admit that there are um, attacks from within to your first question, and we need to take it seriously. And and we need to stand up together. What? It's like she's five. Again, with the platitudes. We need to stand together. First of all, you questioned the election results in 2016. All, your entire party said it was rigged. And hell, you even questioned the vaccines. How dare you question the vaccines while Trump was still in office before the, before the uh, 2020 election? Then miraculously, Joe Biden gets elected oh line me up hit me up with that trump vaccine <laughs> give me a break please should i get the 10 minute montage yeah, out no of kidding. democrats denying election results because we have that at our disposal here we all need to stand together go watch it pervert you're listening to the hammer and nigel show hey bro you mind putting on some pants i find it a little weird i have to ask twice wibc we have a list of a few more things people silently judge others for, Hammer. I think we I think we talked a little bit about this. We had an original list of you know like people that don't take their uh, grocery cart back and put it away after the they just leave it in the parking spot. Right. Like we, people silently judge. I, I think there's a lot, you can tell a lot about a person that does that. <laughs> I mean, it's one thing if they're elderly. I saw it the other day in Kroger parking lot. Some some guy loaded up his his truck with groceries and just left the, the grocery cart there. I was judging him. Did you say anything to him? What? Oh, hey, put it back, pal. Give him the Spicoli speech. Hey, (laughs) bud, what's your problem? (laughs) So we have compiled a list. uh, A few more things people silently judge others for. Here's some more highlights. People who take their dog to the store and leave them alone in the car. Okay. Especially in the heat. Right, like, like that's well, criminal if you leave him in the heat. If it, with the windows up, like some guys, some people will do that. They'll leave their dogs in the car, but they'll leave a note that says, "Hey, the engine's running, the air conditioning's on. I'll be right back." Yeah, that's. I think that's fine. All right. So where are we at with the people who bring their dogs to work? Because <laughs> there are people here that bring their dogs to work sometimes. I don't care. I, I'm. I'm, I'm <laughs> Usually startled when I hear the barking in the hallway here at work, but that's I don't 
I don't care. I'll be sitting in my office, and the, you know, I'm working on the show. <laughs> yeah. Next thing you know, uh, Heidi's dog yeah, comes around the corner, right. starts sniffing at my crotch. <laughs> like, well, hi there. That's a cute little dog. <laughs> Fine, but yeah, I mean, if you leave the dog alone in the car with the windows cracked, and you're just gonna go get like, like you just have to run into the gas station to get a slushy or uh, to pay for your gas that's that's fine but yeah if you're in the heat and i don't care in the car is not on the air conditioning is not on the heat yeah that's illegal yeah and you deserve to have the window broken the dog taken away from you and i don't know possibly arrested that's yeah that's criminal how about this people who park at the gas pump when they're not actively pumping gas or paying inside like the people just sit there and they're fooling around on their phone they're done filling up there's a line, and this a-hole in front of me is not moving. Get off your phone and make way for somebody else. Yes, I will judge that. So I have questions about this one. So let's say I'm pulling into a Speedway gas station. Which you do every day. You go to the gas station every day. Every day. And I'm going in to make a purchase. I'm actually buying something from said gas station, but there's nowhere to park except for a pump. Is that okay? What are the I, rules probably, of engagement with that? Uh, that's, that's interesting. Nowhere to park, can't park on the curb or anything, because there's right. usually a few parking spots at Very a Speedway few, gas station. But not a lot, though. Not a lot. Yeah. Uh, that's that's an interesting caveat. I, I don't think... Because I've yeah. done that, and, and I'll be that guy. Because, you know, i got to get to work. i got things going. Yeah. I'm making yeah. a purchase. I'm not playing on my phone. But if all the spots are full, if if, I will pull up and take it. If you're in and out, okay. But if you're... If you're lollygagging, <laughs> just hanging out and making small talk with the cashier when there's right. other people waiting, get out there and move your car. I could do a full three hours on people at the gas station that I'm judging. <laughs> um, like, and if I'm just trying to buy my my big gulp, right, you know, uh, the 44-ouncer yeah. of Diet Mountain Dew or whatever, and you're the guy in front of me buying those awful Swisher sweet things, and you're paying with change, and you've, you're making the cashier look for some stupid cigar that they only sell at the gas station. Come on, dude, get out of the way. What about, okay, do you judge, do you silently judge people with loud motorcycles and or you know loud little mazda miatas with the muffler adjustment yes that makes it go scares the, <laughs> squares the, uh, the absolute crap out of me when they pass me on the uh, on the interstate dude when my kids were little and i would try to get them to, you know to sleep and i'd hear one of those bastards go down the road you know me I, i'm a loud mouth anyway like now that they're already up yeah. i'll go outside and just yell like, I do not get those tiny, small, little dorks in those just those, those weenie cars, and <laughs> and they take the muffler off or they modify the muffler so it's extremely. I don't get it. I don't, I, I, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It should be illegal. And I'm gonna give one to you here, Nige. Yeah. People who go in right before a business closes and just leisurely stroll around. So let's say that you are going oh. into a store that closes at nine yeah. and it's eight fifty eight yeah. and you're just kind of looking around. Yeah. You're not that guy, are no, you? No, no, I'm not at all. Although I think like during COVID, my wife and I tried to walk in Roos Chris. It was around Thanksgiving time, I think, and they were trying to I, we had no clue what time they closed, but there was nobody in there except maybe one person at the bar. We just go and sit down, la 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 la. I think the guy was pretty annoyed, but I didn't I wasn't aware that they were closing early. How was and, your spit burger that yeah, they served you? We didn't. We just ordered a drink <laughs> and an appetizer and kind of realized 
Oh, I think they wanted us. It was when everybody was closing early. So we walked down to St. Elmo's, and they were still open. I had dinner. That's a legit concern of mine. If yeah, I'm ordering yeah, yeah. a pizza right before they close yeah, or whatever, that's BS, man. they're going to yeah. spit in my food because I'm an a-hole for doing it right before they close. <laughs> You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. Are you afraid of it? You mind if I crack this open here real quick? Go for it. Is this the beer you had on? Is this the beer you did for Beer Sample Friday when I was gone? It's uh, not one we did on the air. I had one of those off the air. Oh, Look at you spilling it. Um, Who's your brewing company in Greenwood came by and they hooked us up. The one we did on the air was strawberry birthday cake, but I had one of these raspberry bad boys yeah, so off the air. Yeah, one of those fruited sour ales. Thank you for uh, saving that for me, buddy. You Appreciate got it. it. Uh, you may have heard uh, Harrison. <laughs> Uh, speak just a second ago. The guy that shot the Richmond police officer out of the hospital, now going to jail in custody in Ohio. I guess I didn't know he was. He had been in the hospital all this time. This has been several weeks now since this has this has happened. And, um, you know, unfortunately, Officer Burton's uh, uh, still the same condition. We had thought that she had maybe passed. And the, the hospital that she was at was, had said something about using her organs for, uh, you know, donation. Right. Um, uh, but she's still alive, although the same condition. But you're telling me the guy that shot her has been in the hospital all this time. Because it wasn't just Officer Burton that uh, he was firing at. There were multiple officers that he was shooting at. So, of course, they returned fire. Yeah. Well, and they hit him. Too bad they didn't Too bad they didn't hit any of his vital organs. Right. 100%. I'm with you. Um, now, Officer Ciara Burton was taken off of life support August 31st. And they kept saying she's not expected to survive. And they've moved her to hospice. But, man, she's still hanging in there. Like, she's still in the mix. Because at first, the hospital had this erroneous report that she had already donated her organs and that she had passed, which turned out not to be true. Well, now, according to the Richmond Police Department, they posted on Facebook last night, quote, Thank you for all the continued support for canine officer Ciara Burton and her family. Her condition remains the same. Now, they're not trying to give people false hope. They still keep saying she's not expected to survive. She's been taken off of life support yeah. per the family's wishes. and uh, But she's still battling in there, man. Still hanging in there. You never know. Maybe I'm a sucker for believing in miracles sometimes, but uh, you never know. Oh, man, only good things could come from this, right? President Xi and Vladimir Putin are going to have a meeting this week. They call it the Shanghai Cooperation Organization oh, Summit. Yeah, there's a bunch of those guys uh, meeting, going to this. A bunch of those shady uh, shady leaders going to this thing. It's like, I can only hope that uh, Frank Drebin is there in disguise serving coffee. <laughs> like, it's like that scene, it's going to be like that scene in Naked Gun where it's like, at the beginning, where it's like Gorbachev and Idi Amin and Fidel Castro and Arafat. Mo, you know, Gaddafi, the Ayatollah, and, and Frank Drebin's, you know, in disguise serving coffee. That's exactly what this meeting is. Is almost. that where he uh, washes off the spot from Gorbachev's yeah. head? <laughs> yeah. There's been a lot of talk of Frank uh, Drebin the last week, especially with the passing of the Queen of England. Uh, when you were gone, Tony Kennett and I were going over 
all of the things happening on social media. And this restores my faith in our country. Trending nationwide the day the Queen of England died were both Reggie Jackson and Enrico Palazzo. (laughs) I must kill the Queen. I must kill the Queen. Reggie Jackson actually put out a tweet, you know, kind of talking about that. And like the young group of people that get on social media that had no idea what he was talking about (laughs) were losing their minds. Yeah, I bet. Was he happy the queen died? No, (laughs) it's from a movie. He was in. Relax. Well, I tend to agree with Frank Drebin when he said, no matter how silly the idea of having a queen might be to us, Americans must remain gracious and considerate. (laughs) Um, What's interesting to see happening now is it feels like Prince Harry, you know, Literally, the redheaded stepchild, almost. Um, he's redheaded. He's not a stepchild. Mm. He's the black sheep right now, he and Meghan. They're on the outs with the royal family. It kind of feels like he's starting to feel bad about the way things have gone down. Like, I don't know if he's starting to blame Meghan for all of this or what, but he put out a really heartfelt message on social media talking about the passing of his grandmother and how... You know, it's time to honor his father as King Charles III and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, the kid, you know, his mom died too. Right. So, yeah, there are probably some, some heavy emotions there. Since the moment Thursday when officials announced that the death of Queen Elizabeth II took place, people have flocked to be part of the collective grieving process and to pay their respects. If you can't make it, overseas to the UK Mm -hmm. Uh, it turns out the Queen may be coming to a city near you if you missed her at Balmoral Castle or the palace in Edinburgh and you can't make it to Westminster Hall in London don't fret just announced the Queen's Coffin North American Tour now you can pay your respects to the Queen Mother with limited engagements in New England New York Chicago Miami and LA the Queen's Coffin North American Tour Coming soon from Not Live Nation. Uh, uh, not Live Nation. Okay, I got it. I'm pretty proud of this show. We went two full days without playing the Benny Hill theme song once. <laughs> not once. Because we have respect. Is that, Is that the bar we've set? We have respect for what happened okay. to the Queen. Uh, I've got a thumb update. Do you want a thumb update, Nigel? Thumb update? Are you, are you talking about uh, the recently dismissed Brian Stelter? Correct. Formerly of CNN? To one person, he's the potato. To another, he's the thumb. Either way, he's the... To uh, I like when Tucker calls him the eunuch. <laughs> the eunuch. <laughs> I think Greg Gutfeld dubbed him the cue ball of concern. <laughs> uh, fired CNN host Brian Stelter. Joining Harvard University now to host a series of discussion discussions on threats to the democracy. Ugh. So in Ivy League school, Harvard, no they've gone out of their way to hire the thumb to bring him in to talk to all the little thumbs about threats to our <laughs> democracy. I just, it, it's odd to me. And uh, you just wonder, I mean, Harvard, it's, I mean, I, it's like the elite of the elite. Right. And they bring in this guy who was mundane. He was average. He was not good at his job. Poor no. ratings. Nobody watched that show. All he talked about was Fox News and, and cried about Tucker Carlson. Now, that's not true. He tried to get Michael Avenatti to run for president. That's right. <laughs> Forgot about that. Uh, but this, you know, it's just these people are in such a bubble. And nobody ever can define what it means 
when they say threat to democracy. Who's a threat to democracy? Oh, well, it's domestic terrorism. Well, how are, how is domestic, domestic terrorism a threat to democracy? How is that, like, how, where? Where's the data? Is denying an election that- result a threat to our democracy? Because both sides have done that. Both sides are equal in that category. Yeah. What a, we don't know what a semi-fascist is. We don't know what an extreme MAGA Republican is. I mean, they don't know what a height? woman is, <laughs> and they've gone out of their yeah. way to hire Brian Stelter, the thumb, to come in. You said it earlier. Harvard, you know, Harvard and Yale and Princeton—they're the elite of the elite Ivy League schools, but they're also the woke of the woke. So think about a woke company, whether it's Apple, whether it's ESPN, and then. Put an Ivy League school above them because they are leading the charge in wokeness in this country. And here's example 1A, Brian Stelter signing a deal with Harvard. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Coming up a little bit after 6 o'clock, another violent weekend here in Indianapolis, plus the update on baby Amaya Robertson. Charges have now been filed. We will get you up to date with all of that and more a little bit after 6. Right now, 65 at the American Standard Cooling Weather Center at 93 WIBC. Ah! I need to go to my quiet place. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show on 93 WIBC. You've lost your wedding ring before, right? Did we talk about this? You, yes. You lost it. Washing the dog in the front yard. Uh, it's somewhere out in your front yard, isn't it? Somewhere down the street. I don't know if I took off because I put oh. it on my car. How, how did the wife take that when you... Well, she was outside she... with me when it happened, so at least I had well, faith you that she there... wasn't making it up. You, there were, you, you were there, too. Why didn't you find it? It's easier to say I lost it while you were yeah, there. Yeah, that's true. Instead of <laughs> instead of uh, a night out with the boys at Red Garter. <laughs> right, exactly. Here's a here's listen to this. This is brutal. A proposal on a pier in Australia did not go well. This guy had his 2-year-old help with the ring. Right? So he's down on one knee, but but she fumbled the ring with the the handing over of the ring with the two year old and it fell between the planks into the ocean. Oh no! Now here's the good news: they were able to find it. Look at mummy. Oh, 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 <laughs> Quick rundown. We'll stand here. You can't jump. It's too shallow. <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> it's the notches happening. He got it. He got it. Yeah. <laughs> That clip had everything in it. Wow. It had gasps. It had screams. It had two-year-olds <laughs> crying. It had a splash of water. <laughs> and then tears of joy at the very end. Can we just play that? Can we play it again, James? Just just listen. It had, it had everything. A great sound clip right Look there. Look at mommy. Quick rundown. We'll stand here. You can't jump. It's too shallow. Crying. <laughs> you can't jump. It's too shallow. I can see it. He got it. He got it. Oh, good news. But wow, what are the chances they find it? How do you not find your wedding ring in your front yard in the grass, but they found it in the bottom of the ocean? <laughs> right. That's amazing. Wow. Like, go buy a lottery ticket after no that. No kidding. Go do something because that is your lucky day. 
Um, so we were talking about the thumb, Brian Stelter, during the last break. Uh, another thumb is trending, but it's the actual thumb of Cowboys quarterback Dak Prescott. He got oh, injured yeah. in the game last night against the Bucks twice in a row. I think he got the, they hit his thumb, and now and he's out, out eight weeks. Wow. He is out six to eight weeks. So that means that on ESPN, it's time for Stephen A. Smith to bring up the name of Colin Kaepernick. It will never happen, in my opinion. I want to make that call to Colin Kaepernick. Might want to take that change. Might want to find out. Now, now, he ain't been around, but he's a playmaker with his legs. Who's available? You got to take that into consideration. You got to take all. Now, I don't think it will ever happen. All right, now pause that for just a second, James. Pause that. So, Stephen A. Smith laying the groundwork here for uh, an argument for you, Colin Kaepernick. You hear me rolling my eyes? Now, you're going to hear here in just a moment Michael Irvin. Longtime Dallas Cowboys legend. He's on the set. He's there to debate Stephen A. Smith. Take a listen to how this whole thing ends up. Because it's in Texas, in the state of Texas. You understand what I'm saying? You know, patriotic individuals that they pride themselves on being since, you know, the whole Kaepernick situation was hijacked. That narrative was hijacked. To them, it's that. And Jerry Jones not going to let that get in the way of business. But I, I would think about it. I would say that. Let's yeah. start with this Colin Kaepernick stuff. Okay. Let's just stop. Okay. Colin Kaepernick's <laughs> been out of football yeah. for, what, five years now? Yeah. Something like I, I, that, yeah. Come on, man. Let's stop. Let's all of a sudden thinking <laughs> we can go resurrect Colin Kaepernick, and he's going to come so and you prefer- resurrect a football team. I'll take my chances with Cooper Rush. I will take my chances with Cooper Rush. Yeah, exactly. I'm glad somebody was there to push back on him. That's ridiculous. Michael Irvin, uh, probably the voice of the Dallas Cowboys on any television show, telling Stephen A. Smith, Hey, let's cut the crap here about uh, <laughs> Colin Kaepernick. Dude hasn't played since 2016. He had a workout for the Raiders, and it didn't go well. That's why he's not, you know, part of their team right now. And he had a tryout lined up that the commissioner and Jay-Z set yep. up for him, and he just peed all over it. He moved it. It proved he wasn't serious. So get ready. It's Colin Kaepernick's season for quarterbacks, and it's Urban Meyer's season for head coaches in college. We're already hearing the rumors. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Be sure to catch us every weekday, 3 to 7, on 93 WIBC, or subscribe and get it right to your phone.